Adia Kumar is a project manager for a German multinational corporate with more than five years of experience in the management consulting industry. She has lived in six countries in Asia, Europe, and the US and traveled to more than 40. She's passionate about travel, technology, and business. Today, she's here to talk to us about what she chooses to challenge for International Women's Day. Welcome to Hype Woman, the podcast, Adia Kumar. You have quite an interesting career journey. How did you end up doing what you do? You're a project management consultant. And what exactly is a consultant? Yeah, first of all, Sarona, thanks for inviting me to your podcast. Um, it is my pleasure, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So maybe I answer the, the second question first. What exactly is a consultant? And before I, I explain my journey on how I actually got here, because that probably, as you can imagine, was not such a straightforward path. As a consultant, to put really in layman's terms, is a person who solves business problems through expert advice. And that's exactly what I do. My area of specialization is digitalization. And how I ended up as a consultant was I really felt that was the right fit to my techno-managerial background. But mm -hmm. I say that right now, I'm pretty sure like when I think about it 10 years ago, that was not the journey which I had in my mind mm -hmm. that I would really end up being a consultant. Right after high school, I went on to pursue engineering. So I actually trained as an electronics engineer. But quite early on in my career, I realized that I didn't really want a purely technical career, but mm -hmm. also want to learn business skills. And that kind of pushed me a bit to also change directions. And that was really the first time when I not just changed my career path, but also geographies when okay. I decided to study business abroad. And that was also the time when I got a scholarship from a business school in France and then moved to France um, to yeah, study business. And I have to say, even after the first year of my studies, I wasn't really sure what exactly I wanted to do. So I just took a gap year. I yeah. took one year to figure out what I wanted to do. I lived in the US for a bit, did an exchange semester there, did multiple projects. I came to Germany for a couple of months to pursue an internship here. And that was also the first exposure to Germany that I had. So you've worked and lived in many places and cultures. Yes. What have you learned about, let's say, cross-cultural communication? Because I come from South Africa and live in mm -hmm. Europe. It's so different, but I, I learn new things all the time. And yeah. yeah, what stands out for you coming from India? And then you said you lived in the Middle East and then you lived in France yeah. and you were in the US as well and now Germany. So exactly. Yeah. I think throughout this career journey, I always realized that I like to change topics and areas of interest quite often. Uh -huh. And through these experiences, I really realized that being aware of cross-cultural differences can really be helpful. Uh -huh. And just to say, for example, Throughout my journey, I realized that it doesn't have to be verbal communication. It can also be nonverbal communication, which uh, can be very different across cultures. And what I learned from this journey was not being able to take yourself really too serious and also just being able to like embrace differences, being a bit more accepting and open because I realized like when I had like re really this rigid mindset that, okay, I have a set way of working when I move to 
France, I felt, oh, I need to adjust and how the work culture is there. But then I moved to the US where they really had this work hard, play hard mentality. Yes. I also found myself reflective, like what exactly is the work culture which I would be um, uh, more suited for. And that's some, that was a big role which actually came as shaping, shaping my career journey. So wait, yeah. what is the work culture that you aspire towards? It's difficult to say. So mm-hmm. I would say that the German work culture definitely appeals to me because I think it's the most which is um, suiting to my personality. I perceived it when I did my internship here during my gap year. I perceived it to be very direct, very professional, very precision oriented. And that was also a bit how I felt my personality was. And yeah. also when I returned back to complete my master's in France, I knew that I wanted to move back to Germany to really find a job here, a stable yeah. uh, long-term job here. And that's also what pushed me into getting back to Germany and getting into consulting. That's so interesting because I totally relate to what you're saying because I find the same like with my personality, like since moving here, I've also like just appreciated the directness and you mm-hmm. like know where you stand in whatever situation it is. Whereas yep. in, in my hometown, we smile about everything and you never know if this is going to be an empty promise or not. Exactly. And also coming from India, there are always good things on, for every kind of work culture, depending mm-hmm. on the geography. Yeah. But I also realized like at the end of the day, it's really what you make out of it and not so much the geography itself. And India, I would say when I also studied and worked in India, I really felt that probably the competition was much higher and that yes. also resulted in in people working very hard uh-huh. but at the same time I felt like the stress on building personal relationships and empathy was equally very high yeah. and that's also something which stands out in terms of cross-cultural differences in work culture so I think there is no perfect work no. culture where you might fit in but it's like how you shape your personality and your work persona to also yeah. fit in the work culture with. That's interesting because I was about to ask you, what did each country teach you about work ethics? Maybe you <laughs> want to reflect a bit on, on like France and, and the US. Yeah, sure. In France, I really felt that the work-life balance component was really taken seriously. And that I could really see as well as feel. And I think that is something which I really felt like people really enjoy life. Yes, they work hard, but they really also like to enjoy life. So what did um, a work day look like for you in France? When I worked on a project in France, the day would start around 9, 9.30, but not with a meeting, more with a coffee to also get to know my coworkers. Mm -hmm. And it would end around 5, 5.30 with maybe a decent lunch break, lunch hour. So the goal was quite target oriented, I would say. The office was also very target oriented, but I think it was still more relaxed, much more <laughs> relaxed than I when I compare it to the working style in Germany. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really interesting. I'm going to talk about your blog because this is, is, is why we got talking about doing this interview. And it just somehow mm-hmm. ties in with International Women's Day, which is coming up. And the topic this year is choose to challenge. And we're going to talk about a little bit about your article that you wrote recently. And I'm going to ask you as well, what do you choose to challenge? What is the glass ceiling effect? 
just for some of our listeners who don't know, because this is a word, a term that we hear a lot in corporate circles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe you want to reflect a bit on that. The glass ceiling effect is a metaphor which has been around for some time. And so far, it has really been used to describe invisible obstacles, mm-hmm. which women face to get to the next level. And usually the term has been used in the context of women trying to get to the sea level or to an executive position. And I really feel like today the perception of the glass feeling has changed because it is being used to talk about more about invisible obstacles, which a person can face at any level, whether it is really a fresh graduate trying to apply for a job right out of university or whether it is a woman of childbearing age who is not being taken seriously by the employer because the employer feels that, oh, she's going to go on her maternity leave and will not be so much committed to work. So it's really a broader concept and goes beyond issues of gender and race and really targets inherent biases based on cultural and traditional stereotypes, which are really not so openly spoken about. Absolutely. So on that note, what what would you choose to challenge? In general, I would choose to challenge the current way we perceive biases today, which I feel like, in my opinion, goes much beyond gender bias to really be more inclusive. For example, looking at affinity bias, which refers to the tendency that people have to connect with others who share similar interests and similar backgrounds. And this, I think, is really super common at the workplace especially when companies hire only for culture fit. Uh, They're really falling prey to affinity bias or even looking at different kinds of biases like conformity bias where people tend to behave more like those around them. And this kind of um, clouds their own personal judgment. And really to talk about those challenges is more difficult because it confronts power dynamics at at its really root cause. And I think I would really like to challenge that. Also, I think so many people don't know that there's a language for what they've experienced. Like, it's interesting what you said, Mm -hmm. because I think it's, you you mentioned the affinity bias where you're expected to get along with people who look like you or or think like you. And this is me coming from South Africa. And yet when I connect with like Indian people from India, I I -hmm. connect to an extent, but then when I meet like, African woman I'm just like that brings me right home because this is what I know yeah exactly and that's just how we're also wired to be because we fill the picture when we have blank spaces in our mind and when we meet somebody new we might have a perception of the person based on what we see for example yeah this person looks brown but then the more we get to know them the more the kind of the picture fills up And we see then differences as well as similarities. And that kind of can turn into a very positive bias. But sometimes it can also distance you where you see certain differences. And that can also result in a bias. And this gets more prominent when it's at the workplace. Let's get a little bit deeper with, you mentioned, what is the other bias where people think The conformity bias. Conformity bias. Mm -hmm. So this is, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. So this is basically where you have a group of people who have come from the same background, think the same way, like this tribe that doesn't welcome outside opinions 
or something that is different or a, like yeah. a new conventional truth, so to speak. And mm-hmm. if, if, if they are confronted with something that is different, then they're like, oh no, that's wrong. Yes. Yes. And what happens in this situation is that the person who was, let's call him or her, the outsider, usually just wants to fit in and already has the perception that his or her ideas will not be taken so seriously because they come from a different point of view. And what would happen in this case would be that this person would either stay silent, even if he or she has a different opinion, that w- or, or he would not just be vocal about his thoughts. And this can be, usually it's not an issue, but sometimes this can really be an issue at the workplace. For example, when it comes to creative thoughts and solutions to more complex problems, if really you have people thinking in a certain direction, even if an outsider has a different opinion about it, he or she might be more reserved to share it very openly. And and that is something which is not talked about because it's not so visible and it's, it's more of an invisible bias. So this is very interesting what you touched on because I actually had someone ask me, like she applied to a job and she said, I just feel like an outsider there. And it was the first day at, at, at this workplace. So I'm going to ask you, what advice do you give to someone who feels like an outsider in this situation? How can they level up? I can only share from my personal experience because I have been in that situation where yes. I felt as an outsider. I would say what helped me was to be a bit more assertive knowing that not everybody might even be aware of the differences but just giving it a shot for example like when i came to germany and i was trying to still understand and assess the work culture which is what you really do when you move to a new place you try to assess a bit the situation which things you need to adapt a bit which things you need to be mindful of and so on and there for example i was used uh, to engaging in a lot of personal conversations, especially in India, which I realized I need to be more aware of personal space in Europe and in Germany, and also maybe limiting the small talk, which I was doing in the beginning to making it a bit more crisp, looking at the audience. But what I would say to maybe a person is not to let go of your personal identity when you do that. I think it's perfectly fine to adapt certain things because of course we're all subject to change. And even if I was in my home country, I would of course adapt to when the situation demanded, but still being assertive of which aspects you can adapt Mm -hmm. and which aspects you really believe should not change and really are a part of your core identity is important. Wow, good answer. What have you learned over the years about personal branding? Okay, so I'm, I'm just going with this. Like you've had to obviously gain some confidence and strength in, in your identity through all of these experiences. And yeah, how do you grow confident to be able to like A, be assertive? And I think I've asked so many women this question, but the answers always amaze me. What have you done to gain this confidence and then follow in from that. It's obviously part of your personal branding, right? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. In general, what I realized over time is that you can really have multiple personas because a person is much more than a professional or an employee. I like to call it the Hannah Montana syndrome. I don't know if you know it, but it's <laughs> I basically... I do. Isn't that, isn't that Miley Cyrus back in the days? 
Exactly. And basically in her role, she has a different persona for her private life. And in her work life, she's a superstar. And <laughs> you can really apply that to anyone because I think at some point, when you think about your personal branding, you need to find a way to bring together all of the unique characteristics, your skills, your story, even if you don't have one, your tiny bits and tiny aspects of your life, which kind of make your identity. And these can really be different and they don't always have to fit in together. But at some point, you need to need to understand how this contributes to your personal branding. And personal branding doesn't always have to be over social media. It can really be anything. It, it can be something which which kind of like puts together your personal life, how you are, maybe you have different hobbies with what you're passionate about. And that can really range from anything from your work to something which you're passionate about in your private life. Let me ask you this. Do you share in your workspace about your hobbies? I have to say I got more comfortable with it <laughs> much more than I was five years ago when I was a newcomer to Germany and still figuring out yeah. the business culture here. But yeah, these days I really see myself sharing much more of my hobbies at the workplace. And I do think that personal branding has really evolved with the changing trends because even previously there used to be a clear demarcation of what is really personal life yes. and what is work life. Mm -hmm. And even these days with the whole pandemic, right, I really feel that those two aspects are merging together. Yes. I mean, we are doing video calls at work where people can see it, can really have an insider look into your uh, personal life. We have calls with, with people whose kids are crying in the background, <laughs> which is something which doesn't have to be hidden anymore. And those lines are getting really finer and finer. And I think that's the same thing when it comes with hobbies and personal branding, because at the end of the day, it's not just work, which makes up your personality. It's, mm. it's the whole picture. And that comes with your own hobbies as well. Like I always say, no one's one dimensional. So why do we always expect to exactly. put people in a box and nine to five, you're in a suit and then thereafter you're someone else. It doesn't make any sense. The future of work. So this is a topic that has, I've seen a lot lately, but I actually don't know that much about, but whether, what does that imply? It implies that, that the workplaces, the environment is changing, but what changes do you envisage for women? Yeah, you're right that the future of work has become a hot topic and there is, I would say there is no universally accepted definition of what the future of work entails. Yeah. And there is a lot of expert opinion. There are different thought leaders speaking about it. My personal opinion is the future of work is right now. Yeah. We're living in the pandemic and the future yeah. of work is really happening right now. And it's really triggered by digitalization and globalization, which I see. And I really think that this is going to work very much in the favor of working women. For instance, we are already seeing the advantages of remote work and the flexible work models which come with it. Mm. And I think that is something which women will benefit definitely and are benefiting already. I also feel that the future of work will really require different skills. So more of people skills in the future. And I really think that it's a nice space to be in and women will have more opportunities to use certain skills to their advantage. I see it also in consulting. I genuinely feel that 
women are sometimes better at building um, um, personal relationships with clients, maybe just from the mere ability to listen and to be compassionate. Yeah. And that, uh, that, uh, that always helps in attaining goals in the workplace. And I really feel that it's a nice place to be in right now. And there will be a lot of changes which will benefit women, definitely. So I'm going to ask you as a maybe as a closing uh, statement, was it difficult to get to where you are, like in this high profile position in a global company and being a brown woman? I have to say it was difficult, but it wasn't impossible just because I think the vision was there. I have to say that I have been quite lucky to get the right support from my friends, my family, and my network there. But as we talked a bit before about biases, I also feel like when you're aware of potential biases that might come your way and you accept them, you usually set the bar much higher for yourself to work towards achieving your goals. Just look at like how the studies have shown that female-led countries have handled coronavirus better <laughs> just because the bar for them is really set so high that they just get more risk averse and they plan accordingly and i do remember i mean there have been times where i've been super anxious i have to say and i really felt that yeah it was quite difficult but i think just because the vision was there and i always felt like i had to take my people and my team along with me in this vision that i felt that was the motivating factor yeah Wow. Oh, what has gotten you through this pandemic in the, in the last year? Were you able to travel home? Luckily, I have. I was able to spend the winter break together with my family in India. Everybody has been super healthy. I think what has been able to get me through the pandemic is seeing it as an opportunity to slow down. I think many of us also appreciate that this has been a check on both on both our physical health as well as mental health and for a lot of people this has really given them the time yeah. uh, to also reflect on how they were living and what their priorities were before pandemic and what changes need to be made after the pandemic once all of this is over thank you so much for talking with us and how can people reach you on on social media or your blog do you want to share that I kept it quite simple. My blog is under my name, adyakumar.com. 